Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Would you please take your Bibles and open them? Oh, if you want, you can open them to a few places. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're also going to look at Leviticus chapter 11, and then we'll also look at Acts chapter 10. So if you want to get ahead in certain places, 1 Peter chapter 1, Leviticus 11, Acts chapter 10, and a Bible study that I've entitled, The Valuable Blood of Jesus Christ. Pastor Peter here is reminding us of the importance of being ready and the importance of being protected, having our minds secured resting our hope fully upon the grace that's to be revealed. He's taught us that holiness is important. For those that are going through trials and difficulties, those that are facing great challenges, holiness is important. Now, don't let holiness be a scary word to you, but an encouragement to live in the added strength of Jesus Set apart and useful. Remember the word holy means to be set apart for a specific use. And what made something holy in the old covenant? Something that was sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. What makes something holy in the new covenant? To be set apart by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of the sacrifice. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now notice in 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's pick up where we left off. Well, really by way of of review, verse 13, where he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, and here's the key, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, this is a direct quotation, if you want to go with me, to Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44, where the children of Israel in the Old Covenant are being taught how to worship God, what is commanded and what is accepted. Notice in verse 44, For I am the Lord your God, You shall therefore, there's that word again, sanctify yourselves, or again you can write next to it, set yourselves apart, that you shall be holy, for I am holy, and neither shall you defy yourselves. And he goes on because these are dietary rules with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth, to which we say, amen. Not interested in eating creepy things that creep on the earth. But the holiness is the idea of setting yourself apart. We're reminded, and when you think of holiness, you're reminded of this. Our outward life and our inward life must be pleasing to God. Our outward life, what other people see in our lives, must match our inward life. But even more, Peter received a personal lesson about clean animals and how the Lord sees humanity. Now go with me to Acts chapter 10. Remember, Peter is writing this letter. He's writing with his pastoral care. I believe the letters are an outgrowth of Peter obeying Jesus when he said, feed my lambs, tend my lambs, take care of them. So here he is writing out this letter to hurting, scattered believers, taking care of them. 
And you'll remember early on, after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, Peter came to face his own prejudices. And it's a time, you, you and I, we need to look in the mirror and face our own prejudices and answer to them and let the Holy Spirit reveal them and change them. And that's where Peter is. Notice with me in verse 9 of Acts chapter 10. The next day as they were on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things. Didn't Leviticus just say, be holy and not, don't eat creeping things. So here he is, he's got this vision. He's a born-again believer. He's in the new covenant. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses him, and now he gets this vision and sees these creepy things in the birds of the air. And a voice came to him, verse 13, said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Let me just pause there for a second and say, those words don't go together. Not so, Lord. Those are inconsistent. You can say, not so, friend. You can say, not so, wife, not so, husband. But you can't say, not so, Lord. Jesus is either the Lord of your life or he's not. And when he gives direction, when he gives instruction, our response is, yes, Lord. Not, not, not so, Lord. So Peter, he's in this trance. He sees these things and he says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And all voice spoke to him again the second time, saying, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And Peter had this thing, having needed things, told him three times. Notice verse 16. This was done three times. Some of you are three-timers. You just needed to said to you three times. Some of you are ten-timers. Some of you, we are time after time after time after time after time. But aren't you glad that God will take as many times as necessary for you to get what he wants you to get? If it's three times, you might be frustrated and flustered, but think of the three times repetition of God as his love for you. And if it takes three times, he'll give it to you three times. If it takes 10 times, he'll give it to you 10 times. But the whole point is, is that you get it and you understand it. And so the object was then taken up into heaven again. Peter, he's praying. And as he's praying, the sheet comes down and it comes against the teachings of the old covenant filled with animals that were declared to be unclean. And as he hears the command to get up and kill those animals and eat them, he has permission from this voice from heaven. He has permission. You'll notice the translators in verse 13 uh, in your Bibles that have red letters, you'll notice they translated them in red letters to reveal to us that this was a voice from God. And he's receiving permission to change God has changed. He, through progressive revelation, he has changed. A lot of times, you're resisting change, even when God has told you or given you permission to change. You're just resisting change. And like Peter here, you're just like Peter. God has given permission maybe to the leaders of your church. God has given permission perhaps to an overseer of your ministry. God has even told you to do something, and you go, no, I resist. I'm not moving. And yet God wants you to change. He wants you to go with the flow. He wants you to move forward. We're not ministering like we were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago. I mean, I wasn't even ministering 50 years ago, so I don't even know what that is. There's time for change. You've got to go with the flow. 
And here you might be resisting. No, I don't want to. That's basically what Peter, no. No, I have an understanding and I'm stuck in my understanding. And I'm not open to new revelation. So three times he had to tell him, no, what God has called and cleansed, what he has cleansed, you, verse 15, must not call common. And the whole scenario is preparing Peter because the church would be more, will be filled more with Gentiles than with Jews very soon. You see, this wasn't about animals at all. It was about God doing a fresh work among the Gentiles in salvation. It was about God using Peter to reach a people that he wasn't really thinking of reaching. It was about God doing a new work in Peter's life. But it started with a little dream, a little trance. It started with something little. Are you going to be faithful with something little? Not so, Lord. No, 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 Peter. It's not going to work that way. No, you don't understand. I have declared those animals clean. You have permission to eat them. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses those foods. And you have freedom now to eat them. This is a lesson in the cleanliness, not of animals, but of people. And it was trying to change Peter's perspective. You know, Bible students, you know, even in Galatians, Peter was still wrestling with this prejudice toward the Gentiles. He was still wrestling with viewing Gentiles differently than viewing Jews. And what he's teaching Peter is the church is bigger than you, Peter. The church is bigger than your narrow view. The church is bigger than the Jewish nation. In reality, Peter, as you see these animals, what I'm declaring to you, when it comes to the Gentiles, if I've declared them clean, then you accept them as clean. You you receive them. Jesus died for them too. And it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that animals are made clean, but also people are made clean. They're made holy. They're set apart. And Peter had to learn this lesson. I wonder how many listening to me right now still need to learn the lesson of racial prejudice and what a sin it is. I I literally have heard over the years, and even in the last six months, I've heard people look me in the eye and go, there's no no such thing as prejudice. There's no such thing as racism. And I have to ask, what world do you live in? Racism has been with us from the beginning of time, judging people for outwardly. It's been with us judging people by the color of their skin or the language that they speak or where they live or how much money they have or what do you mean? And for the believer, you can hear heaven saying, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. And you're not greater than God. And Peter, he had to learn that lesson. He had to learn how the Lord, when he calls something clean or holy, set apart for his use, what's our response but to receive them, welcome them, or as we were praying, of who the whole family of God is named after, Jesus Christ. So good. So good what God wants to do among us in cleansing us and making us holy day by day. We get stuck sometimes by just viewing holiness as our outward behavior. But our holiness began when we were born again. God's setting us apart. We're different now. We're new creations in Christ. We're seeing the world differently. We're seeing people differently. We're seeing life differently. We've been awakened spiritually. It's so encouraging. So with that in mind, come back now into the section we're looking at here in verse 16, remember, of chapter 1 of Peter, because it is written, be holy as I am holy. And now, verse 17, if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, 
Conduct yourselves throughout your time of your sojourning here in fear. Remember, sojourning gives us the picture of we're just passing through. The situation you're going through right now is not going to last forever. The difficulty that's overwhelming you, you will get through this. We are just putting the final touches on a little pamphlet I put together that we entitled something like, you'll make it through. Because that's the word you need to remember in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficulty, in the middle of things that are outside of your control. I don't know when, but I do know this. You're going to make it through. God is going to get you through this. You're going to make it through. God is going to finish what he started. Didn't we learn that? I love that. What he started, he's going to complete it. And one day we'll stand before the Father and answer for our lives. And if you hear today, verse 17, call on the Father who gives us the example. You know, you have to think that Peter has chapter 10. I mean, he didn't know it was chapter 10. But this episode in his life, in the back of his mind, that's what this exactly sounds like, Acts chapter 10. You have to think that this was the transformative time in his life toward people where he says, you know, God doesn't judge, he judges without partiality. Well, prove it to me, Peter, man, I got this crazy vision. Uh, Luke wrote it down. It's, read Luke's writings in the book of Acts. Read those writings Luke wrote down because he copied the vision. I told him all about it. It was a first hand. And God tripped me out, man, because he put this sheet in my dream and all these animals. He told me to eat. And I said, no, I'm a good Jewish boy. I don't eat. And God said, no, because what I call clean, don't you ever call unclean. And I believe that's just a word from the Lord for someone. What God calls clean, you don't have permission to call unclean. You're not the final judge of someone's life. You're not the final judge of someone's ending. You know, it might not look good right now, but it's not over yet. It may not look so pretty right now, but it's not over yet. And you can pray for God to give you that impartial view toward people. It says, conduct yourselves throughout your sojourning. You're just passing through. And you need to do so with the fear of the Lord. One of the greatest hindrances to your relationship with God is a lack of the fear of the Lord. Just a lack, just not even thinking about fearing God and His holiness. We, we love the picture of God. We love the picture of a loving, gentle, caring, personal relationship with God. I love it. I think it's a great way to relate to the Father. But remember, a loving Father disciplines His children. Sometimes at the hands of a loving Father comes pain in order to teach us what it is to follow Him. Remember, we'll get to this in a future study in Hebrews 12, but it says, have you forgotten the exhortation? This is Hebrews 12, 5, that speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Along with a healthy reverence and an awesome fear of God comes a holy life, caring what God thinks more than what you think. Not, not a, you know, a fear where you're running away from him, not a fear where you're afraid of him, where you don't want to draw near, but rather a holy reverence and fear, wisdom and strength and an understanding of who he is, knowing that your father disciplines you. We have that motivation to cultivate an attitude of godly fear. As one commentator said, it's not the cringing fear of a slave before his master, but rather the loving reverence of a child before his dad. Notice verse 18. Again, speaking to those that are struggling, Peter says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold 
from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Just consider for a moment, you guys watching online, listening on the radio, I want you to consider for a moment just how valuable you are. You were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. You weren't purchased with money or with gold or with Bitcoin or with stock certificates. You weren't purchased with some kind of trade agreement like baseball cards. I'll give you two of her or one of you. You were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It's good to remember that when times are tough and you think that God has forsaken you. God places a great value and worth upon your life. No, not a great value and worth, the highest value and worth upon your life. You born again brother and sister today. The blood of Jesus Christ, there's nothing more precious. There's nothing more costly There's nothing of higher value than the blood of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, those that would be receiving this letter would immediately know, this this would evoke in their hearts and minds, would immediately evoke the thought of the current condition of their culture, which was filled with slaves. Over 60 million slaves were in Rome, it's estimated at this time of the writing of 1 Peter. And it was possible to purchase a slave's freedom. It was possible not only to purchase, unfortunately, a slave to serve you, but it was, also to per- it was also possible to purchase a slave and give him or her freedom. You were in slavery to sin. You're aimless. Did you notice that? He described your life before Christ as aimless. Paul does the same thing when he writes to the Ephesian church. Aimless. This is nowhere. You're just going nowhere. You're just having, you're, you're like in a GPS in Syria, whoever's just in a constant redirect, 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 redirect. You're like, what is going on? Where am I? And where am I going? You got to pull over, reset everything, aimless. And the strange thing about aimless, there are aimless conduct before we were saved is that we actually thought we were making progress. We actually thought we were getting somewhere. We actually thought with every raise, oh, I hit a target. With every person we go, oh, I hit a target. With, with every goal that we would meet, we were thinking, man, I was, I'm doing it. Look at me, I'm doing it. But the Bible says, apart from Christ, that raise, that promotion, that responsibility is going nowhere. That true meaning comes to your life and mine by the blood of Jesus Christ. Then it makes sense. Then you know that when you receive a raise, it's so that you might give more unto the cause of Jesus Christ. So you know that when you're given a promotion, God has entrusted you more people to care for, not to boss around. That You know, when God entrusts more to you, it's for his purposes. Now there's a purpose, no longer aimless. You have a target, and that's eternity. And he's saying, you know, because when, I, I also understand that when you're going through a trial, it feels like you're making no progress. It feels like life has stopped and stalled. And it begins to feel like, well, maybe I'm just going back to my aimless ways. And then, of course, for those of you that couldn't resist temptation and during a great trial or being scattered like these, you you start drinking again. And then it really feels aimless. You might pick up an old drug habit. You might go back to a bad relationship. You, You may find yourself 
you know, angry or clubbing again or whatever it is that, and you start going backwards and then you really begin to, and now you're a believer rebelling against what you know to be true and like it's just overwhelming. And Peter's saying, look, if that's you and you're just out of control, like you are no longer in that aimless life. It's time to come back to holiness and repent. Remember the Lord high and lifted up. Remember that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. Your problem is not your trial. Listen, your problem is not the trial and what they're doing to you and how they're treating you and all that. That's not your problem. Your problem is you lack the fear of the Lord. That's your problem. Your eyes are not on the Lord. You've stopped running your race. And when you no longer fear the Lord, then you're open to all kinds of sinful temptations and quite frankly, stupid decisions that only make things worse and not better. You weren't bought out of slavery to sin with coins or dollar bills or Bitcoin, but with the highly esteemed blood of the lamb. There are not enough coins and money. They can't print enough money in the world forever and a day to pay the price for the forgiveness of your sins and the deliverance of your soul. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can forgive you and deliver you from your sins. That's it. You know, our world has a standard of value. It's measured in the almighty dollar. That seems to be very, very important for many people. Not just to live on it, not just to make it do, not just to have a little extra for some special things, but, but like people live for the dollar and they die for the dollar and they give up their marriages for the dollar and they let the world raise their kids for the dollar. That's how the world measures things. Money, money, money. The more money you make, the more valuable you are. The world has said, this is what will value and you know as well as I do in some of, some of your professions, the dollar amount of what you make can make the difference between the respect you have in the board meeting. <laughs> it can make the difference between your, not, maybe not even the dollar value, maybe just your title has, makes all the difference in the world of how you're viewed by your peers. Because that's a different value system. But Jesus, he tells Peter, and he tells us again today, and Peter reminds us, Jesus, God says, what I call clean, don't you call unclean. Everybody's clean the same way, equal at the foot of the cross, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not the what the world values. As the Bible tells us earlier in the Old Testament, you know, that money has a way of just following through your fingers, like bags with holes in it. And just what you have, it goes away. But what you wasted to get it, time never comes back. You see, the world has said that this is what we will value. And this is what we'll protect with our lives. And this is what we'll lock up in vaults deep beneath the earth. Gold, silver, diamonds. But they're not going to last, are they? It won't last. Would you hold your places here in Matthew chapter 6? Would you turn back with me, please? Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see this. You can jot it down, but I want you to see it in your own Bible. Would you look at Matthew chapter 6 and hear Jesus' view of those, that which this world values. The things that are important, like respect and honor and dignity and loyalty and care and concern and empathy, 
Our world doesn't value that very highly. But money, gold, silver, rocks, diamonds, emeralds, whatever, man, that seems to be super important. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says very clearly, chapter 6, verse 19, mark it, circle it, highlight it, put a dollar, dollar, uh, dollar sign next to it so you can remember. This is what Jesus says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, this is not a teaching not to put some money away for savings or to be prepared for a rainy day. We see that in other places. Even the ministry of Jesus, they had enough extra money with them that they had it in a money box. That's not what Jesus, he's speaking to the heart, to the kingdom principle, that you are now part of a different kingdom. You are a citizen of heaven first. And citizens of heaven lay up for, their tre- lay up for themselves treasures in heaven. That every dollar, every stone, whatever it might be, is investing in the spiritual eternality of another person, a soul. And it's not what the world values. Look, the more you live in this world, the more you shop in this world, the more you take in the media of this world, the more you take in the advertising of this world, the more you're going to think and talk and act like this world. And, and you, you know, you know, you spend more time in the world, just in your marketplace than you do in this church building, listen to Bible studies. And some of you have the privilege of listening, you get to listen to Grace FM or Bible studies while you're working, but it's, it's kind of going to your subliminal, right? Because you've got to do your job first. You've got to do a good job and you don't want to be in a place where you're all distracted. So you take in the word, that's great, but still your job has to get your best. And you want to be careful that you don't pick up the value system of this world and you're always laying, so that you don't get a vision one night and the Lord tells you to do something and your answer in the vision is, not so, Lord. And then three times, four times, ten times, God says, no, no, you've got to understand. I just told you to do something. I just gave you an illustration that is unbelievably clear. And it could be a, a vision. I, I mean, I think God speaks far more. I, I mean, I don't think this. I believe it. I know it to be true. God speaks far more clearly through the teaching of his word than he does in dreams and visions. There are clear things you hear in any Bible study. So you guys that love Bible study, don't just become a Bible study snob. Act on what you hear. Take it all in and then obey it. And don't go around, oh, I heard a great Bible study on the radio. That, oh, fan, fantastic. What did you do? I heard a Bible study. Well, what'd you learn? I don't know. It was a great Bible study. Well, what, what did the Lord tell you to do? Look, I told you it was a good Bible study. What more do you want? Well, if James was here, he would say, don't be hearers only, but doers of his word. Don't become a connoisseur of Bible studies. Become a doer of God's word. That's what Peter's saying in the midst of trials. That's, this is the whole context. Every single thing you and I are going to learn in 1 Peter is to, every, to a group of people that are absolutely suffering the worst trial of their lives. He says, this is, what you, this is what you do. You see, not only is money not going to last, precious stones, everything not going to last, but the Bible teaches that there are many more things more precious than gold. Did you know that? Here, let me just read them to you. I'll jot them down. I'll give you the scriptures. Uh, you can look them up later. You can jot them down. For people that don't believe me, the Bible says, I have at least five things here that are more important than money, that are more valuable than any of the precious stones of money. Number one, wisdom is more valuable. Job chapter 28, verse 15. 
The word of God is more valuable. The law, the precepts, the testimonies. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 10. The commandments of God. Think of this. The commandments of God are more valuable than money and precious stones, according to Psalm 119, verse 127. Knowledge from God's more valuable. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 12 through 14. And the fruit that comes from wisdom. Just what, the, what comes through a wise life is more valuable. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. There's a lot more in the Bible, but think of it. These are things that aren't much valued today, but they're more valuable than gold. And there's still one more thing that the Bible says that is more precious than gold, and that's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that redeemed your soul. By why you and I are forgiven today. You know, there's a big search today. Uh, there, you may be involved in this. Or my, they call it the midlife crisis, but it's not always a midlife crisis, but there's a big search today for meaning and significance. I need to find my purpose in life. I need to find my significance in life. And, and it's all just a lie. Your significance, believer, I'll tell you right now, is found by your faith in Jesus Christ. He'll tell you how to live your life. You are significant. You don't need to find significance. You are significant. How much more needs to be given in exchange for your life than the blood of Jesus Christ. You are significant, but there is this press, this push to find significance. Secular psychologists would even tell you, and perhaps a few Christian psychologists along the way, maybe a good friend, maybe a sister, you know, maybe the girlfriends when you're out getting a mani-pedi might say, you know, I know your problem. I know the problem. You need to find yourself. That's your problem. You, you need to find yourself. But the reality is most people apart from Jesus Christ already are already full of themselves. Self-centered and self-oriented. They don't need to find themselves. They're caught up with themselves. That's their problem. Over-concerned with themselves. But still people would say, well, you know, this is an issue of self-esteem. We need to build up self-esteem. Listen, I believe very firmly that a view of yourself in a positive light is vital. But it doesn't come from the approval of man. You want to use the phrase, I'm not opposed to it. You want to use the phrase self-esteem, then have self-esteem the right way. To know that you have been valued by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are loved, even if your mother and father forsake you. Which is a great place of esteem, is it not? You gain a lot of approval and affirmation from our parents and those that are loved. Even if our loved ones abandon us, our parents abandon even if we're dealing with the deep pain of that, your esteem comes not from self, but from Jesus. You can use the word of self-esteem. I have no problem with that because you experience it in yourself. But listen, your problem is not you don't need to find yourself. Your problem is you need to lose yourself. Die to yourself. That's where the issue is. The Bible tells us that self is pretty gross. The Bible says this, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? To which people in the new covenant will go, oh, wait a minute, you're a new creation in Christ. Your heart isn't deceitful. No, no, you're just filled with flesh now. So now your whole body's all deceitful. And then what does this world say? Just follow your heart. Yeah, you're going to leave your wife, leave your kids, run off. Just follow your heart. No. Repent of your sins and stay back and make it work for the sake of your wife and kids. That's the word of the Lord. Don't follow your heart. Your heart's deceiving you right now. Your heart's deceiving you. I know it's hard right now. And the world says, let's go ahead and rob that bank. No, don't rob that bank. 
Don't try to steal that turkey and put it under your jacket and walk out. Don't go against common sense. Trust the Lord, not your heart. And if you do trust your heart, let it be formed and fashioned by the Holy Spirit, not just your emotions. Have you not found by now that your emotions are real as real can be? But don't they lie to you a lot? <laughs> don't you lie? I mean, I'll tell you what, if you watch any of these fail videos, you know, in those, these epic fail videos where somebody's doing riding a bike and all of a sudden they're falling off and they hit their head and you laugh, that's not an appropriate time to laugh. But your emotions get the best of you. And the way they frame it, and sometimes they even set it up where the guy never even got hurt. They set it up and they get you to laugh at something that isn't laughable at all. That's an emotion that's not telling you the truth. Even within a good frame, scripted, put together movie where they can move your emotions. They can get you to be so emotional about an adulterous relationship where you just want it to happen. They can set the setup. They can set it all up where you don't like the, this guy and you don't like, and you start to champion sin in just a, a movie because they can manipulate your emotions. You know, if they can do that on the movie screen, what do you think the temptations of the enemy can do in your life to manipulate your emotions? Our righteousness, what we think is good, according to the Bible in Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are all like an unclean thing. Jot it down, Isaiah 64, 6, Jeremiah 17, 9. You might want to memorize these. We're all an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. A conduct apart from Jesus is filthy. And that's what you'll find when you go out to seek for yourself. Men, there are countless even spiritual books out there, some even in Christian bookstores where they still exist. They're going to tell you, man, you got to be a man. This is what a real man is. You need to run to the woods and bang a drum and you need to go, you know, be a real man and you got to be wild and be untamed and let your natural part of you come out. And really? Ladies, there are countless books for you too telling you to leave your kids behind and go find yourself in the world. You deserve it. Be independent. Be free. But the Bible says, I'm to die to myself and live to Christ. It's through his death and resurrection that purpose and meaning come into my life. And even when my world is spinning out of control, as we see here, that we've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, even when my world is spinning out of control. It's not outside the will of God. Notice verse 20. For he, and he was for, foreordained before the foundation of the world. This was the plan and purpose of God for Jesus to come, but it was made manifest in these last times. Mark these words. Circle them. Jesus was made manifest for you. <laughs> of billions of people that have been on the planet, there are billions of people alive right now. But only a few are listening to this Bible study because God's got a word for you. And even as the word of God goes out to many, God has a word for you. Even though we're using the same text, the same notes, God has a word for you. And so this was all for God knew ahead of time how he would do, what he would do, how he would do it. Notice, 
He was made manifest, verse 20, in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that what? Your faith and hope are in God, not in this world. Your faith and hope are in God, not in this world. Your faith and hope can't be in this world. This world is not going to last. It's not going to be here forever. You're not going to be here forever. You don't need to find yourself. You need to find the Lord. Come back to the fear of God. You, you don't need to subscribe to some list of things a church tells you to do. Just fear God. Worship Him. You know, if you were to meet the CEO of your company today, you'd be nervous around Him, no doubt. Why? He's just a man. She's just a woman. Well, there's a natural respect towards someone that has authority over you. It's just natural. You can't do anything about it. You know, if you are doing the speed limit and you're pulled over by a police officer, there's a natural respect. You start getting nervous. You didn't even do anything wrong. There's a natural respect for those that are in authority. You're nervous around someone. It's a taste of that sense of fearing and awe and respect for their position. You don't even know the person. And yet, because of the role that they're in, you have respect them, but think of God. He's in a place of absolute respect, but you know him. And the problem right now in your life is not that you are going through a great trial. The problem in your life is you're not fearing God. And when you don't fear God and you start fearing man or you start fearing the outcome of this trial, you start to make really bad decisions. Unfortunately. My confidence is not in this world. My faith and hope is not in this world. My confidence, my faith and hope is in the Lord, not in myself. Does anyone want to amen that? Are you guys still with me? We're almost done. My confidence is not in this world. It's in the Lord. Your confidence not in this world. It's in the Lord. He's our rock. He's my hope. He's our strength. And you're valuable. Your value has everything to do with what was paid for you. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Precious, the word that means costly, of the highest value. So as you are looking for purpose, purpose is at the cross. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We don't need self-help books. We don't need to be hypnotized. We don't need to know what our astrology says. We don't need to be rocked to sleep by this world or put our hope in man or put our hope in some political system. I don't care where that system is. Our hope is in the Lord. That's it. There's no other place, nowhere, anywhere. Not only do we need to live it, we need to teach our kids and our grandkids to put their hope in the Lord, to trust in God. We need to be talking about God around the house like Deuteronomy teaches us. We need to be answering our kids' questions with the word of God. And you go, well, Ed, that's your job. You're the pastor. No, I didn't always have the answers either. I needed to read the Bible. I needed to listen to Bible studies like you, like I still do to this day. I need to take notes of what God's saying through the pastor, but also what God's saying to me. If God has a word for me, I want to hear it. I want to receive it. I want to pass it down to those that are around me. I want to be able to say, hey, you know, there'll be times even in our staff meeting where God has spoken to me by another pastor, and I'm not going to lead the staff meeting. We pull down the screens, we watch that pastor together because God has a word for us. And it was delivered through that guy. And I go, amen, that's what we want to hear. This is the word of the direction that God's given to us. It resonates with my heart. Listen, God is with you no matter what you're going through. And if you ever forget, don't try to find yourself. Go back to the cross. 
where everything's put into perspective, where Jesus Christ died for you. He was taken down and buried. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. He's alive now, ascending in that, ascended into heaven, seated, a place of authority and finality at the right hand of the Father. Isn't that great? You're going to join him one day, believer. You're going to be with the Lord. Your faith and hope are going to be made real in the presence of the Lord. It's going to be good. Don't forget that. So, Father, thank you for the privilege of uh, going through this and being encouraged by Peter tonight. Uh, It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be reminded. I know people have authority over us, and we got all these decisions, and just, it's wild world we're in, God. Would you give us clarity? Give us insight how to live life that pleases you. Please, we ask for it. We beg for it. Because we are knocked off balance, Lord. Our equilibrium is, equilibrium is off. We are disoriented. Some are very badly hurting right now in this room. Separated from their children, their grandchildren from their parents, from their friends, grieving those watching online, deep, deep grief that hits them in the middle of the night where their tears are drenched, their pillows are drenched with tear. There are those tonight that are struggling financially. This, they have no problem with not having money as an idol. They just want to pay their bills. They want to be in a place where they could just work so they can provide for their family. God, I pray over the needs in our room tonight and those connected to our church, those in our city. You've brought us to this city to pronounce peace over it in the name of Jesus Christ. May that be our lives. May we live it out obediently and faithfully. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.